This is Waterworks, an aquatic history of Milwaukee. The levels are good, and so we're recording. This is, of course, Chris Cantwell recording the intro for episode six of Waterworks. Um, and why don't you go ahead and start by introducing yourself? Cool. This is Marisa Camacho. I am a master's student of sustainable peace building here at UWM. And what do you have for us today, Marisa? So I want to play you some audio from a recent meeting of Milwaukee County's Lakefront Development Advisory Commission. I guess we should um, get going. The Lakefront uh, Development Advisory Commission is a body charged by Milwaukee County with reviewing all development proposed for Milwaukee's lakefront and then making recommendations to the county on how to act. Okay. And because of COVID, all these meetings had to be held on Zoom, which of course had its usual awkwardness. Also, Mr. Chairman, I believe Commissioner Kovac has his hand raised. Um, yes, Commissioner Kovac? That was not on purpose. But the meeting actually turned out to be pretty intense. I come to this project with the lens of equity, diversity, and inclusion. I want to look past the obvious of this is good business and Milwaukee County needs the revenue. If for-profit corporations are valued for their revenue potential rather than for their contribution and commitment to the city of Milwaukee, then this plan and the county's actions are not consistent with Milwaukee's core values and commitment to equity and inclusion. Access is just not just being able to go to the beach. Access requires a feeling of belonging. The second floor of the Bradford Beach House is not vacant. It is an open space. Okay, wow. Uh, yeah, I can see that. She seems pretty animated about something, but I'm not sure what. So what's going on is the commission is considering a proposal that would allow a restaurant and bar to open on the second floors of the pavilion at Bradford Beach. Currently, this is just an open space where people can gather, but a bar run by a private company would change the nature of that space. There were a whole things mentioned in your opening statements that really kind of tripped my trigger, and I want to address those directly. And I take my kids down there now, especially in the summer. We pay taxes on the east side. That geography gives us absolutely no more claim to that area or to that beach than anyone else in the community. And for you to suggest that there are certain desirables or undesirables or whatever the, you know, code language or dog whistle language you use is not only wildly inappropriate, but incredibly offensive and not at all the type of way that you should present if you want to continue to expand and be welcome to our community. I know you're not from Milwaukee, because if you were, you'd probably know that we have a very long history of making sure that our public spaces are accessible to everyone. Over 100 people spoke at this one meeting alone, and a lot of them were concerned that a private business would limit access to a public space. Huh. So I, I guess I'm a little surprised by the outrage, because who wouldn't want to get a drink at Bradford Beach? I mean, there's, I mean, there's always the Tiki Hut there in the summer, so what's so different about this? <laughs> Fair enough, but the development of the pavilion is different because the Tiki Hut's presence on the beach does not deny you access to the beach. But a bar going up in the pavilion would change the way people access what's been a public space. That's true, and the pavilion also does connect with that bridge that allows people to cross over Lincoln Memorial Drive, so it really does change the landscape a little bit. Exactly. But the reason I played these clips for you is that they, in many ways, embody Milwaukee's long-standing commitment to making the lake as public as possible. Because the reason people get so animated about this is that the access to the lakefront has always been a matter of politics. Really? How so? 
Well, for much of its early history, the lakefront was actually privately owned and inaccessible, and it took a political revolution of the city to grant people access to both green spaces like parks and blue spaces like the lakefront. Wow, so it sounds like the current fight over Bradford Beach is just the latest chapter of a much longer story. And that's exactly the story I want to tell you today. Okay, well why don't you go ahead and take it from here. To say that water is political is to say something specific. We've already talked about how water is important, but to say water is political is to suggest that access to water is a matter of public policy. And as we all know, matters of public policy involve elected officials, which in turn involves a democratic process. To say that water is political, in other words, is to say that water should be of concern to every engaged citizen. We saw this in our previous episode on the development of Milwaukee's water infrastructure. A lot of the systems developed to treat Milwaukee's water came about only because voters demanded that the city create them. In fact, it was this political fight over water that led to what is perhaps the most unique feature of Milwaukee history, the strength of its socialist party. Socialism, of course, as an economic and political movement, has been part of the Western world since the rise of industrialization. It was seen as a way to bring equality to industrial capitalism by placing large business and vital services in public hands. It was particularly strong among Germany's workers, who brought these ideas with them when they immigrated to the United States. Most cities in America had a vibrant socialist party throughout the turn of the 20th century, but in Milwaukee, the combination of a large German population and a polluted water supply led to a revolution that was not seen anywhere else in the United States. You know, the, the socialist heyday in Milwaukee uh, begins back in the 1890s. At a time, you had that incredible pollution problem and people dying of typhoid fever by drinking water you know, from their taps. The socialists were this, in some ways, uh, a traditional reform movement. That's local historian John Goethe. And what he means by saying that socialists in Milwaukee were a traditional reform movement is that while some socialists worked for the creation of a workers' utopia, some socialists simply wanted to improve the conditions of working people. They were absolutely a devout cooperative commonwealth, certainly taking over the utilities. That was something that they, they thought should be in the public domain. Ames McGinnis, a professor of history at the University of California, Santa Cruz, who is working on a book about the history of Milwaukee Socialist Party, agrees. And among the things that socialists believed people had a right to was decent, clean, healthy water. From the very first socialist mayoral administration from 1910 to 1912, uh, their efforts to improve water supply. That's true under Mayor Hone, who was mayor from 1916 to 1940. But not everyone was impressed by Milwaukee's efforts. In fact, revolutionaries found Milwaukee's efforts to clean up its water to be so insufficient that they called their comrades in Milwaukee sewer socialists because they only cared about sewers. But Hone and other Milwaukee socialists responded by taking this term sewer socialist and then embracing it and becoming proud of it. And it was more than just proud, because sewer socialists and other water-related issues became central to the way in which socialists governed Milwaukee throughout the city. We can really see this on the lakefront, because before the socialists, the bulk of the lake was privately owned, and most Milwaukeeans spent the leisure time in the rivers, as we'll discuss in a future episode. But it was the socialists who believed that a lake that everyone relied upon should be owned by not one person. 
Central to this development of green space that gave people access to blue space is Charles Whitnell, the son of English immigrants born in the neighborhood we now call River West. Whitnell was a florist and a banker who was eventually elected as a city treasurer as a socialist who would serve more than 20 years on the Milwaukee County Park Commission. That's Charlie Whitnell. You know, it was executed by a non-socialist architect. It was Alfred Kloss. Uh, but you know, it opens in 1929, and there was nothing quite like it on the entire Great Lakes. That, of course, is John Gerda again. And according to John, Whitnell was critical of congestion and urban sprawl, believing that even the poorest Milwaukee citizen deserved access to green and blue spaces. It's a perspective that in many ways remains today in the park system that Whitnell helped develop, which remains largely intact to this day. From Bradford Beach to Estabrook Beer Garden, it was Whitnell and the Socialist who made these places available to all of Milwaukee's residents. We take it for granted today, you know, that three miles of, of great green, you know, from downtown all the way up to Kenwood. Uh, you know, that's that, that's a, a something that's, that's pretty rare. And it was won only after a long period of debate, discussion, and in fact, conflict. So the railroad controlled the area from Lafayette South to the Third Ward, and you couldn't get down there. If you, if you wanted to have access to the lake, it would have been just this rubble lakefront, and you would have had to sort of take your life in your hands crossing the tracks with all these steam trains coming through. So there was no access, and it was the socialist vision you know, to say, we, we've got to open wood. These were the backyards of some of the wealthiest people in Milwaukee. No, the, the A.O. Smiths, or the, actually Lloyd Raymond Smiths, the, the Pabst, uh, all the, the Falks, you know, people own these lots went all the way down to the lake. So the, they resisted you know, the very idea of having the hoi polloi kind of picnicking on their beaches. Even though as, as early as the 1890s, you know, city officials were saying, this has got to be a park. You know, we've got to turn this into a park. And that really gained steam uh, under the socialists. And then what happened uh, was you had these severe northeast storms. And sometimes you could lose 50 or 60 feet of, of, of shoreline in, a, in, in one storm. So these rich people, you know, they're, they're seeing their bluffs erode and their houses are in danger. So in a clear case of enlightened self-interest, after years of resistance, they agreed to provide easements uh, from their land. So Lincoln Memorial Drive becomes the result, and that's a gift to, to all of us, but it's also security you know, for those wealthy families up on top of the bluff. It's a lesson that Professor McGinnis says Milwaukee would do well to not forget. People in Milwaukee would do well to remember, I think, that our city has been a national and even world leader when it comes to water quality and other commitments to basic public goods, public services, and public health. And that legacy is inseparable from the history of socialism in our city. And that's an inheritance that we need to protect and nurture and we cannot protect and nurture that legacy if we forget that it ever existed in the first place. Ames' words are especially important right now, as Milwaukee is debating this legacy, as we heard in the show's opening. Financial challenges in the city and county have forced political leaders to look for sources of revenue by either renting out space to private businesses, or even more extreme instances, selling off parkland. This issue brings light to both Milwaukee's socialist legacy and what's known as the Wisconsin Public Trust Doctrine, which requires that all citizens have the ability to navigate and enjoy recreational activities in the waters of the state. Efforts that appear to breach these ideals can be met with immediate pushback. The key issue at play at Bradford Beach is there is an entity out of Chicago doing business in Milwaukee's Doc Bradford. That's Milwaukee journalist Jeremy Janine, who has been covering the Milwaukee lakefront for a while now. 
and they have a lease with Milwaukee County Parks. And, and that's similar to many other uh, park areas where the county decades ago now made the decision instead of operating a lot of these facilities themselves, they would lease it out to private operators. In the case of Bradford Beach, it's probably the most high-profile lease they have, with the exception of the beer gardens, which are often more a rotating thing or a, a clear delineation between private public space. The Bradford Beach thing has the signature beach house, which is, I think we'll come to appreciate it more over time as it's shaped like a ship. And it has a public component, but it could also be used for something else. It has a concession component. And the lease requires public access, but what became a debate this year and in 2020 was what actually does public access mean? And then how is that communicated to the public? So this is the important part. What does public access mean? And where does the public trust doctrine fit here? Bradford Beach, southeastern Wisconsin's most popular public beach, attracts hundreds, if not thousands, of visitors throughout the summer. This recent summer, under new contractual terms, Milwaukee residents and outside residents may show up some days only to find that Bradford Beach has been closed. This is due to Milwaukee County Parks recently amending its contract with the Dock Bradford to allow closures of beach areas. This became a concern as park officials did so without public involvement or county board oversight. Let's dig into who the Dock at Bradford Beach really is. They've had ownership since 2019 and have been handling the beach concessions that we currently know as the Tiki Hut and the Beach Bar. In 2020, the dock has also proposed the addition of a container bar on the upper deck of the building. This is the shipbuilding that Jeremy was referring to. Also, like Jeremy said, they are an Illinois-based business. What seems to be a concern here is that the dock is meant to be an upscale exclusive restaurant. Some people believe the dock is claiming prime beach area as their commercial space and is going to exploit and detour or restrict public access to suit their business. On the other hand, people think it will allow for a safe, clean environment to access the beach. Reporter and journalist Jeremy Janine brings up a really great point also about maintenance and upkeep. And this year, and it was after my coverage, my colleague Graham Kilmer covered it. Doc Bradford, one of the, the positive things that come out of these leases is not just revenue to Milwaukee County Parks, but maintenance. The leasees have to perform maintenance. But in this case, the Doc Bradford used a sealant which didn't let water kind of move through this structure, which, I mean, we're getting way into the weeds on engineering here, but basically the worst case scenario where someone attempted to do something, what they probably thought was good, and it actually was a negative for the structure. So with these historic buildings in Milwaukee County, has many of them, needs to be a special attention to detail to making sure when they're maintaining them, they're being maintained appropriately because the sealant, which had to be removed, could have caused water to build up and actually damage the structure over time. The initial proposal for a container bar on the upper deck was not approved. However, they still plan to renovate and keep the similar type of vibe for their decor. The big trigger point for the latest debate was Doc Bradford uh, wanted to and did put a, a restaurant on the top. They wanted to put much more to it. They wanted to add shipping containers onto it, and they ran into actually some historic preservation uh, regulations for the structure that prevented that. But they are moving ahead with a little, what they call a modular bar on the top. But the public can still walk through that, and that's what the lease dictates. Their menu prices range from a $12.95 tuna tartar to a crispy pork belly for $21.95. Their alcohol selection includes cocktails like huckleberry vodka and pineapple, cranberry, and grenadine, other frozen on-tap cocktails, wines, and canned beers. They sound really great, I know, but they're also at a price point that would limit the ability of some Milwaukee residents' access to a public space their tax dollars support. 
They also plan to do special events, weddings, anniversary parties, and stuff like that, which has also become a public concern. Many people believe that these practices are turning Bradford Beach into a playground for the privilege, with rights to access and enjoy it, tied to purchases, fees, or rentals. Who does this belong to? And especially what certain areas does it belong to? Could this possibly further and add to the hypersegregation that Milwaukee already sees? And where does the public trust doctrine come in again? Concession stands and stores are allowed to be on waterways and parks as long as they're not a destination space or something visitors strive to go to. They're supposed to support the environment at hand and be more like of a side note, like, oh, I'm going to the beach and we'll grab a couple hot dogs or some chicken tenders, something like that, which can get kind of confusing. We all want to see our spaces taken care of, and we all want access to a quality experience, especially in the summer months when it can be super hot here, and it's nice and cool by the beach, and let's face it, Wisconsin doesn't get a ton of heat throughout the year, so we all want to be able to access in a way that we feel welcome. A lot of residents also feel like the biggest problem with this proposed restaurant hasn't exactly been a very democratic process. Just simply saying that it's public or public accessible does not always mean that the spaces provide actual community-centered value to everyone. We have to ask ourselves, in what ways can we confront the fact that blue spaces have often been a dividing line of our city? This debate has been reduced down to privatization versus public access. We should be asking what is in the best interest for our community as a whole. How can we best support everyone in Milwaukee and work to be more people-centered? The socialists had their own answer in vigorously funding a park system that was available to everyone. We need to answer this question for ourselves today. Melissa Camacho is working on a master's degree in sustainable peacebuilding at UWM. A Yankee ship came down the river, blow boys blow, a Yankee ship came down the river, blow boys, bonny boys, blow. Well, our show today was produced by Marissa Camacho and myself with help from the students of History and New Media at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. This episode featured material from the Milwaukee County Historical Society, the City of Milwaukee, the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee's Archive, and the Internet Archive. Our concluding song is A Yankee Ship Came Down the River and comes from the Wisconsin Folk Song Collection at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Thanks this week go out to interviewees John Gerda, Ames McGinnis, and Jeremy Janine, and an extra special thanks to Ben Barbera of the Milwaukee County Historical Society, whose exhibit, Milwaukee Where the Waters Meet, inspired this season. Milwaukee Where the Waters Meet is on display at the Milwaukee County Historical Society from now through April of 2022. Waterworks is a production of the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee's Department of History and the Milwaukee County Historical Society. For more information about the show, including photographs and documents from the era, check out milwaukeehistory.net slash podcast. And thanks for listening. Blow, boys, blow. A loudmouth disbarred Boston lawyer. Blow, boys, bonny boys, blow.